Okay, good morning, everyone. Okay, folks listening or watching online, I'm trying to figure out how to fit this whiteboard in because we're going to do a little science today. Spooky. It's going to be awesome. Don't worry about it. Where am I going to fit into this whole thing? I'd prefer it if you didn't see me personally. I got a face for radio, said my mama. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Relax, everyone. And y'all know I don't, by the way. Um, <laughs> okay, so listen, I, I don't... All right, dead honest, I don't always like the holidays. I've been doing this, I think, full-time for eight, eight years or so. And I don't know about you, Dave, but you feel like, oh, I got to f- come up with something new. Add to Christmas. The greatest event in humankind, and AJ's got to add something to it? Like, not going to happen. And so that's not what I'm going to try to do today. Um, instead, I'm just going to talk about some of the thoughts and feelings I've had this week um, about Christmas. And uh, some of it's going to be cool. I think you're going to enjoy some of it. Oh, and uh, Brian, I got a song on YouTube queued up. Um, you might want to hit refresh, though, because we're going to be listening to a new song as well, which would be really cool, about halfway through the message. But first things first, I want to do this. I want to take off the Christ follower's perspective. I don't like using the term Christian because everybody calls themselves a Christian. In fact, over 80% of Americans consider them, themselves Christians. But... How many of us are truly leaning our lives area by area against the Lord? And that's not me condemning. I'm just saying that's the journey. But just calling yourself that and still doing things your own way doesn't really mesh. So here's what I'm saying. And that's not condemning because I don't even think Jesus focused on behavior. I think he focuses on your heart. What I'm trying to say is this. I'm going to stop looking at Christmas as someone who worships Jesus for a second. And I'm just going to go back and be a human being for a minute. Now, here's what I mean. You'll see. There's some actual really cool stuff. So I'm going to zoom out a little bit. What does Jesus being born in a manger or a cave, as it were, in Bethlehem mean? We're good. No, you're good. Oh, he's getting the thing ready. Okay, simply put, boom, number one, Christmas, you know what it means? To human beings, 17-year-old AJ who did not know Jesus at all, never went to church. Christmas, if it's true, and it is, means this, God cares. That's, that's period, point blank. We serve a God who cares. To start, it means all of this is actually created, that there's a design, that there's a creator, and it baffles me in college. I mean, I went to, of course, a really secular university. And it just baffled me to sit there in the amount of faith it takes for folks to think something comes out of nothing. That takes greater faith than it does to think that we have a creator. I'm serious. Remember what I told my six-year-old? I said, hey, Bubba. Whatever. His name's Alex. But I said, uh, I said we were talking about God. And we were talking about because he's got this solar system thing on his wall. And it says, the earth was created by some spectacular accident millions of years ago. And I was like, how romantic. Lighten up, people. I need you today. And I said, I said do you really think that's true, Bubba's? And he's like, no. I said, okay, well, I'm going to dump your blocks out and imagine it's just going to fall into a castle. And he's like, <laughs> that was his response. Like, no, it's not. I said, right. Beauty doesn't come from accidents. And the way I feel about you and the millions of neurotransmitters that met right in the middle between my brain and my eyeball, not an accident. The amount of faith it takes for that. So Christmas means we were created and designed by intelligence. And man, I tell you, if you want to go down that wormhole, a lot of folks I know say, I worship science. But when we start talking about science, they don't want to talk about science anymore because there's no good science supporting that at all. Sorry, we're not a cosmic lottery we won with ooze. An all-powerful nature that defied unfathomably impossible odds to create sight, sound, and touch, and love? No way. Christmas means we're created. And looking backward, not only are we created, but looking backward, we see that it was planned out. I mean, a couple years ago, I show some of the prophecies. 
breadcrumb, breadcrumb, breadcrumb. It looks like not only were we created, but there seems to be some sort of plan by that creator to do something. And uh, I even told you, I showed you Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden, Christmas is alluded to. And over and over and over again, prophecies happened. So apparently Christmas means we're created, and apparently creator is purposeful and has a plan. So if I'm talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus, I would simply say this. Christmas means God cares, dude. And I know what it feels like to feel all alone, but because of Christmas, you, cannot un you are not alone. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, from a basic human standpoint, we, we might think those things aren't true. And I'd agree, except for Christmas. And I get it. We don't see God being involved every day. We don't wake up and, oh, hello, creator. And so we logically deduce that there's nothing there because we don't perceive him. I understand. But along comes Christmas. We don't see God involved every day. We don't see him all the time. But we do see his systems, don't we? But we don't see him. I'm setting the stage here. Most human beings arrive to the conclusion that we are not created. There's no purposeful creator and there's no plan. We are not loved. But suppose I, suppose I explain it a little bit. Christmas means God cares, we're loved, and here's why. Let's take this idea of God outside of creation and indifferent. Let me, let me explain a little something to you using physics, okay? Uh, this is not going to carry over online, but well, maybe you should come to church. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so there's two dimensions. We're going to start with two. We're not going to start with one. One dimension is a point, a point in, in space. This is uh, width and height, okay? Width and height. That's what we're going to do. I promise you this has everything to do with uh, Christmas. Okay, so a playing card. Picture a jack or a joker on a playing card. Right? They're flat. What does they do? They're, they're, they're two-dimensional. They can't perceive anything outside of themselves. And in fact, well, I could tell you some other things. But we are most comfortable in three dimensions. Let me show you this. And you got to enter depth. With height and depth, I'm gonna put, I, I write like a chimpanzee. But So we live kind of here-ish with depth, okay? And we're comfortable with that. And there's us looking diagonally. So width, height, and depth. There's your three dimensions. Three dimension. Yay, 3D, remember? Now everything is, you know, virtual reality, but we're 3D. The fourth dimension is actually time. And here's what we have. We have the end of this person, and we've got the baby of this person. Okay? Time. If you, it, we, we can sense the fourth dimension, which is time, but we can't manipulate the fourth dimension, right? But actually, as it is, AJ exists as a baby, who I am now, and when I leave this earth, that's all a thing. It's just I'm moving along and perceiving time, blah, 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 blah. Let me explain a little bit about time because I'm going to explain Christmas to you. Do you know that time, yeah, you know what, I'm going to explain a little bit about heaven too for a second. Time is relative to mass acceleration and gravity. What I mean is this. We look at time as this permanent fixture in our lives, but it is not. Do you know that time even changes with altitude? There's an atomic clock in Portland, Oregon, and an atomic clock somewhere else, and they have to reset them every year because time changes because it's a physical property. Okay, just follow me. I lost most of you, but listen. If you're in space and you're flying on a rocket, and you go too close to a, a large planet, time for you speeds up in that moment. In other words, if you flew too close to Jupiter, when you re got radio contact back, like two years would have passed. Where were you? We've been, caught, we've, been, we've been radio scanning for two years. Your clock would have moved two and a half minutes. 
Gravity changes time. Now, the reason I tell you this is because we perceive it. We think it's this thing. We even write songs that say, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the star, sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Who says there's days in heaven? That's an us thinking of time. Furthermore, if AJ, if, if, okay, let's say Abraham Lincoln passed away here, and time is a physical property, why do we think Abraham Lincoln's going to be up here waiting for something? Or is he in heaven already? I'm telling you this because time is physical property. When you leave the physical earth, do you understand? When you leave these dimensions, why do you think you're still subject to time? You step outside of time. Do you understand that? Eternity is not having lots of time. It's being outside of time. I would postulate, and I know this is getting heavy, but I'm explaining Christmas to you. I would postulate that when I, when I pass this earth and I leave my physical body, width, height, depth, I believe at that point I'm outside of time. When they talk about the great white throne judgment, every soul is there. Every single one of them. Do you think they're up there waiting for me to die? If you do, you, you need to let go of time. You're still thinking it's linear. Does that make sense? Try to stick with that. Because when you get free of time, you know what I also think? I think you can move back and forth in the timeline. Furthermore, I believe that Adam and Eve occupied all the different dimensions. Quantum physics to this day will teach us that we have 10 or 11 dimensions. Now, I'm, I think I'm going to lose you here. I promise this has everything to do with Christmas. Width, height, depth, time, the fifth one is choice. We are not going to go down this rabbit trail. But you wonder why Adam and Eve all of a sudden look down and notice something new. We're naked. You didn't notice that before? Could it be because you were clothed in light? Could it be? And could it be that they were immortal and not subject to time? And that's why they weren't going to die. Now, I'm going to use what I just taught you to teach you how big a deal it was that God sets these systems up and we perceive him outside here, right? Kent Hovine says it like this. Oh, man, I threw it down, didn't I? Cell phone, imagine, imagination. The person who designed this cell phone is not inside of it pulling ones and zeros and connecting wires, right? He set up the system and the system functions, correct? You don't need a little man in your computer or a little man in your TV. They can design the system. They're bigger than the system. They're above it, Right? Some people will explain that that's why we don't perceive creator God every day of our lives. We're looking for him to be in here. Number one, his systems are in motion. I've realized this lately as a hunter. Nature is a system. Don't call it mother. It's not your mother. God is your father and your mother. But he doggone set up a system. You see birds in the Amazon forest doing these amazing dances and imitating other birds. Wow, cool. That's a system that's not sentient. That's not, ugh, I don't want to lose you. It's not intelligent, but God designed it. Get it? And so if you put a seed in the ground, I don't care what your background or belief system is, it's going to grow if it has water and if it has light. But Christmas, Christmas, God is not outside of his system. I actually want to postulate and say this. He's actually inside the system in every molecule that is the system. Because if he's the creator and sustainer of your life, which he is, says the Bible, then he has to be actually involved with your heart beating, doesn't he? And guys, here's the thing, ready? He either is or he isn't. So either God is actually fully inside the system and we just don't perceive him because he's extra dimensional than us 
Or he's absent, doesn't care, and it doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, Christmas comes, and here's what you realize. We can't perceive the higher dimensions no more than that Joker card can perceive me. Do you understand that? Two dimension can't perceive the third. I'd look like a weird ball of whatever when I entered his dimension. But you know what Christmas is? Christmas is this. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I totally missed that. <laughs> Christmas is this. That God, occupying all these dimensions, not being subject to time, he sees AJ as a baby, as a man I am now. I'm AJ, by the way. And he sees AJ when I'm dead, all at the same time. But you know what Christmas is? He actually came in a way that we can actually perceive him through all that down to the lowest. Does that make sense? So my postulation is this. God cares. He's not outside of it indifferent watching us like ants with a magnifying glass, is he? Because he dove through all the dimensionality and relegated himself to width, height, and, time, width, height, and depth. Does that make sense? Guys, he understands every option that you could possibly take and he's in every one of those realities. But he dove from the highest height to the lowest of the low. And that's why it was a cave and that's why it was a manger. So you can't look at me and go, God doesn't care. Because an uncaring deity would continue to have that space, right? I've been, I've been known to say this in, in, in counseling. Love always chooses connection. And, 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 and not love and chooses a safe distance. That's our marriages. That's with kids. A safe distance is your default. But love will choose connection. And I'm telling you, at the beginning of this, I said we serve a God who cares. We're not alone. Because he swan dived down to connect with us. Does that make sense? So again, that's not even the Christ-following perspective. It's a, it's a God who, who occupies 10 or 11 dimensions, who owes us nothing, who relegated himself and limited himself to where we had limited ourselves. And he sweat, and he bled, and he cried. If that's not love, dude, I don't know what is. So Christmas to me means this, we're loved. We're loved, doggone it, on the macro and the micro. As, as, as human beings, God so loved the world, but also as me. As me, because he personally beckons to me to come see that manger. And under, you know, right? Christmas proves we are loved. He tangibly stepped into his creation. Now, question. I love to challenge people's ideas of the Bible. Not that I know anything. I just think weird, I think. <laughs> it's true. Did he have to do this in a way we would know about? Dave, he could have quietly come. He could have stayed in Bethlehem. He could have been falsely accused and killed and told nobody about it. Boom, sins paid for. Couldn't he? But he wanted us to know about it. Why? To exhibit that level of love. Do you understand that? Marty, we didn't need to know that he died for our sins. Mission accomplished. Done. But he said, go tell everybody because I want them to know what love is. And that even though you've gone through H-E double hockey sticks in your life, you're not alone. Chick got me. Thanks. Chick must be able to spell pretty well. <laughs> he got it quick. Well, I'm looking at that side of the room, and I've seen the medical things, guys. We've walked through these things together. Christmas means that that hospital room, you're not alone. That's what that means. Now, I want to play a song for you if this works on YouTube. I have it ready to go. This is, I lose myself in this song. I was going to sing it for you, but I don't feel great, feel great today. But let's, let's just take this in. Right, just take this in and uh, kind of meditate on it for a minute. Love incarnate, love divine Star and angels gave the sign 
amazing huh guys have you heard that this year i've heard it on the radio a few times okay 
That one? Yeah. There we go. Nice job, guys. Thank you. Um, that's awesome, right? So that here's what haunted me this week. And I, I, I'm, I'm a weird musician who I'll sit there and play that on repeat. And um, you know what got me about that was come and see what God has done. That's That haunted me. Now let's take a little journey as we close out this message today. Let's look at three slides. You might remember this from Linus and Charlie Brown. <laughs> and lo, there were shepherds, right? Abiding there. Anyway, <laughs> I usually show it, don't I, guys? You've all seen it every year, usually. Yeah, I will. Uh, there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. That's our focus today. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring good news, great joy. That's going to be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he's Christ the Lord. This will be the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, so like an army of them appeared in the, with the angel, and what were they doing? They were praising God, and they were saying things like this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. One angel, and then a multitude, okay? So, Lauren Dangle, with her come and see what God has done, sent me on a weird little path. What I'm about to tell you is not true. It's not theology, it's just AJ's brain. But I can imagine this. I can imagine all of a sudden the heavenly hosts show up and they say what they say, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Time out. Angels are interdimensional. They can be here, you won't perceive them. Pow, they occupy our third dimension. Pow, they're gone. Come on, anybody got that? You ever wonder how Jesus could enter in a locked room? But he had flesh? Extra dimensionality and we'll be like him. Anyway. So the angels appear, bang, in our dimension. Glory to God. Boom, we're out. And all of a sudden the angel turns to the other one. What is going on? And he's like, I don't know. I missed that part Gabriel was saying. Uh, well, I just showed up for glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men. Nobody told me. I know. I, there's a big dude hanging over a certain place over in Bethlehem, but nobody, no, I don't, I don't know. Do you think we should go check it out? I mean, we have to, don't we? I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Let's go do that. So they go, right? This is what happens in my brain. All of a sudden, they, they move a little closer, and they pop up in our dimensionality, and they see a cave, and everything's quiet. Let's say everything's quiet, right? It's nighttime. Things have come and gone. Of course, we know the Magi don't show up till Jesus is actually a little boy. That's mythology. But everything's quiet, let's say. And the angels who... Again, pop into our dimensionality. They look in and they, they say, what is this all about? Uh, what is, what's in there? And they peer over and they go, whoa, how's, how's that possible? It's a baby, right? What's, what's the big deal here? And then all of a sudden they have a thought. A thought catches these angels. And they pause as they remember something very vivid and very familiar to them. And I can imagine that these angels look in the crib and it reminds them of something. It reminds them of the day that they themselves entered creation because they were created after all. Both had similar recollections of kind of like coming to, right? All of a sudden, just having realization, these angels remember and feeling all of a sudden out of nowhere. Both recall such blinding, but not punishing white and yellow light. It's just everywhere, everywhere, this light. And they arise into their entire being as they come into being. But more than that, they remember what happens next, these angels. 
They close their eyes and they can remember all this light and love and power and they look and as, as that fades or they get used to it or whatever, they don't even know, they remember seeing a face. They remember seeing a face when that light calms down. And they remember so vividly the face that came into view, the loving, gentle, yet unfathomably powerful one that stood before them. With a beautiful, gentle smile, this being welcomed them each into creation. The smile he wore spoke of approval and joy as he greeted them warmly. Both angels stay lost in their memory for a few moments, and they forget themselves and where they are. But for right now and eternity present, they're peering over the edge of a makeshift crib in what appears to be a cave. The angels turn slowly to one another, and both their jaws fall open because they realize something. Nobody's told them, and the word has not officially gone out. But in that moment, both angels realize the same thing at the very same time. That baby lying in the makeshift crib, that's the same face that greeted them the day they were created. How can this be? Lying in front of them in the form of a helpless human child was creator. The almighty one. It's him. And the angels, they can't. That's what Christmas means. That's Christmas. Created beings looking down going, what are you doing here? You're the all-father. You're the all-powerful one. Oh my gosh, you were the one who formed me and smiled as I woke into your creation and now there you are. So fragile. So helpless. What are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Well, I said it about 25 minutes ago. We're loved. We're loved so deeply that even the angels, the Bible alludes to the fact that the angels can't understand that. Do you know that? Angels never understand salvation. They'll never understand what you have inside of you because of that baby. This Christmas, we just come and see what God has done. He entered his creation as creation. He's going to live like them He's going to be as them, not like them, and imitate them. He's going to be one of them. Christmas means God cares. And here's the thing. Before we close, I want to say this. We can't separate Christmas's events and the events 33 years later that we call Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday because they are eternally tied together. Does that make sense? I feel uncomfortable talking about Christmas without where it inevitably ends up. God cares, and it cost him greatly to do so. Let's look at Romans before we, before we sing. This is not just a, an Easter slide. You didn't, he who did not spare his own son, a part of him, but he gave him up for us all. Have, knowing that, this Christmas season, there's a next thought, which is this. How will you think you're alone? How will you think you're helpless? How will you think that he would not also, along with the son he gave you, give you all things? We're loved. And if you ever forget that, put a Christmas song on. Because I don't know what they're singing about to their, in their minds, but they're singing about that we are fiercely loved. So let's sing Silent Night in that thought. Let's, let's bring that into the, the picture of uh, the song Silent Night. <laughs> 